join us now in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and some more echoes from Israel on the program here today, Michael. We're going to hear music that was recorded on your most recent trip. Right. In uh, three or four different churches, ancient churches, uh, with incredible echo. Beautiful sound. Yeah. That's all ahead on the program here as you stay with us. Uh, Dr. Bob Bakke will be with us, our friend in the second half of the program today. I, I love to talk to Bob because he's a local pastor in Minneapolis, but he just has his finger on the pulse of the world. Yeah, you know? and, and and he always catches us up in terms of what, what's going on uh, with the church community. Yeah, we'll talk to Dr. Bob coming up in the second half of the program here today. Speaking of Israel, on the most recent trip, well, on all your trips, you've made so many friends there. Yeah. It's, uh, people who live there. It's really special. It's uh, really special. We're going to meet one of them through a recording here in a moment. Tell yeah. us about this man. Well, uh, I met Ellie. You know, you heard of the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh-huh. Well, this guy's a scribe. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? Well, I mean, in Jesus' day, it meant you were a legal expert. In in, uh, in, in Jerusalem today, it means that you're an expert in terms of uh, uh, writing the Hebrew with kosher ink on kosher parchment okay. for for um, mezuzahs that go on the door or the phylacteries, the boxes that go on the door. So it's arm. not something for tourists. No, 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 no. This, no. This you, is a f- you, trust this... me, you can't afford what he does. <laughs> okay, right. uh, I, I bought some phylacteries, but they don't have the scrolls in them because the scrolls, when he does them by hand, are incredibly expensive. They had to be small, right? Yeah, very small. Yeah. and uh, But he, he is a guy we met, oh gosh, 17, 18 years ago I was there, and we did a video on uh, on laments, and I was making the point that uh, all the laments transition, and they transition uh, at this Hebrew letter, vav, which is translated and or but, but it use, it's usually translated but. So I thought, wouldn't it be neat to get a scribe and show show us how he makes this letter? And so we got uh, Ellie uh, to, to do it for us, and uh, he was in a different location back then, but anyway... Uh, we had this wonderful time together. Uh, you'll you'll hear uh, <laughs> what a character he is. Okay. And so about it was four or five years later. I'm walking down the street uh, in Jerusalem, and I hear Michael, Michael, and I turn around, and honestly, I kind of forgotten <laughs> who he was. He runs up to me, he gives me a big hug, and he goes. I found you, oh. and it was just just this beautiful moment, and it was Ellie, and uh, so ever ever since that time, uh, I mean, I think I get, I guess that moment we really bonded, and uh, and so I, I take groups in there to meet him. He's always very uh, welcoming, and he'll he'll do your name in Hebrew for you, or oh. he'll do your favorite Bible verse, <laughs> and uh, and he'll even deliver them to the hotel for us. I mean, he does. Uh, he does all kinds of services in that in, in in terms of that, but he will explain to us how he makes his quills, and they have to be different nib sizes for different you know scrolls, and uh, where the parchment comes from, and how the ink is made, and uh, it's a fascinating process to see. Well, he's one of several friends you've made. Uh, yes, and I've heard you talk about other people along the way too. Yeah, there are a couple of shop owners. Uh, uh, there's another Moshe, is another uh, wonderful friend who who will actually close his shop and set chairs up and let us sit, and he will answer questions as long as you – I mean, he's losing business, right? Wow. But he, he will uh, he will answer questions for us. There's a, a new guy that I've just come to be friends with in uh, Avraham, and in, in, he's an Armenian uh, uh, Christian, and he, he runs a shop, and same thing. We can bring the whole group in, and he'll spend – as much time as as, as uh, we need. Well, on the most recent trip, our producer Joe Carlson tagged along yes. when you went to Ellie's uh, place. I guess place of business. Right? Yes, it's it, it, at this point he was in the back of a, a Mount Moriah bookshop, but he's since moved from there. Oh, so, okay, yeah. All right, but you'll be able to find him next time. Oh, I'm sure. definitely. Okay. Well, yeah. let's listen to what you guys recorded that day with Ellie Ben Yusuf. You have to always let the spirituality of God through you and out. Always. It's not something you do it and you finish it. This is wrong. You can rest, but you work always. You know the King David says, I was sitting in the house of God always. Chapter 23, 23, yeah. I was sitting. Oh, it's not true. Well, you are a king. You have a, even you want to be a supermarket uh, manager, <laughs> there is no time sitting in the house of God. You are a king of Israel. You go to the war. You go, you sleep, you eat, you do a lot of things. How can you say I was always in the house of God? 
That's a question. You asked me earlier. And I, I told you. Yeah. So what is the answer? Well, you said that wherever he went, he Whatever abided. He did, that was will of God. So always, he was in the house of God. Wherever he goes, he made that place half house of God. So that is a important thing to do. Even the back of the store. Yes. God wants from you something. God from me something. From him there is something he wants from you that if you don't do it, nobody can do it for you. It's missing something. That thing in the world. There is some reason that there is a thing that just you can do it. Nobody else. That is the what he wants to do. It he wants us to do. You have a different uh, will and different thing. Everyone has to find to do that. I'm not saying that you have to worship God and you do do a lot of things. No, the commandment. There is one thing that you have to do. If you don't do that, you missed your life. Is that Shema? The one thing you have to do. You as a person, there is something you have to do. Mm-hmm. He has to do, I have to do. Everyone, there is one thing that he has to do, it. that's why he's born. Otherwise, he's missing it. You understand? Yeah, hallelujah. That takes time, I'm not saying one day, two days, but this is the reality. This is the Bible teach. So this is your job, that's what you have to do. What I can know, what I know, you don't know. What you know, I don't know. We need each other. You know, everybody always needs each other, everything. You can't listen to that without smiling. Oh, he's a sweet, sweet guy. <laughs> That's Eli Ben Yusuf, a scribe, a Torah scribe there in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to hear a song called In the Wilderness, recorded at, at Bethany. Right. And we're going to hear you sing that and wonderful acoustics there. And then we'll lead. this will lead into your teaching on the cycle of discipleship. I remember Bill Lane teaching this. Well, actually, this song came from Bill's teaching. In the wilderness, eremos tapas is a Greek term that Mark uses. And it's one of the major themes in Mark. And Bill was very interested in, in how Mark used that term. Um, and so, really, in the wilderness, that's a song that came out of Bill's teaching. And the cycle of discipleship is Bill's teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have Bill on this program, do this, this yes. exact same teaching. Right, I remember. And it was one of the last things he saw in Mark before he died. Is that right? I mean, here's the guy who wrote the definitive commentary in the English language on Mark, and right up until his death, he was seeing new things, and he was so excited about this. Well, after the song, we'll hear your teaching, which you gave on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. In the wilderness, in the wilderness, he calls his son. That's the painful purpose. 
to give uh, give you something uh, that's very precious to me. I, I, I talk a lot about Bill Lane. I know that. I had one lady complain to me. She said, it sounds like I should be asking Bill Lane into my heart. You, sh- you should stop talking about him so much. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to do that. We should honor the people that have poured into our lives like that. And I would not be here if it wasn't for him. I would have not written the first song if it wasn't for Bill. Bill walks to me in church one day and he says, you play the guitar, don't you, Mr. Card? I said, yes, but guitars were for attracting girls in college. <laughs> he said, here's my sermon for next week. Write us a chorus. And I would have never written music if it wasn't for Dr. Lane. So, uh, But this is precious to me because this is the last thing he sort of discovered before he died. Right up until uh, he died, March 7th, 1999. Uh, he was seeing new things in Scripture, and Mark was really his book. And uh, he was always listening for structure and looking for you know new things. And this was the last new thing he he, he saw, and it's uh, it's fairly simple. And um, so I just kind of want to give you this little gift because it's a very precious gift uh, to me. It comes from reading large blocks of Scripture, and that's one thing we. We're not encouraged to do enough. Sometimes to understand one verse, like Exodus 34, uh, where, where, uh, where, where God tells Moses who he is, you really need to read about the first 15 chapters before you get to that verse, and then you understand that verse. Uh, and this, this uh, cycle of discipleship is what Bill called it. It's really, it takes three chapters to see this, and so... I encourage you, it, we think it's really spiritual to meditate for a long time on one verse and then roll over and go to sleep. That's not necessarily so. I mean, read big blocks, read whole books. Um, and so this, this, uh, this is an, an answer to the question, uh, how does Jesus disciple his disciples? Uh, because, yes, he's, he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing and he's doing his thing, but the other thing he's doing is he's actively discipling them. So let me just run through this uh, structure and, uh, and see if it makes sense to you. It starts in Mark 3.13 where Jesus calls them. Uh, he, he calls them and he des- designates them apostles. And almost certainly not the word he would have used. He would have used the word, the Hebrew word sheliach, which is an authoritative representative. It's a person who I, I pass my authority on to. Uh, what that person says, it's as if I were saying it. If they make, uh, a, for example, a business uh, deal in my name, I'm bound to the, the, the agreements that they make for me. So it's, a, it's an authoritative representative, and that they confer that on him. But then what happens is he begins to, to, to disciple them, and the wonderful structure is the statement begins, or the, the structure ends, <laughs> it begins and ends with the same statement. Uh, it happens in 320, and it happens in 531. And the statement is, so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. So that's the context. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before. Mark, which is Peter's gospel, Mark is very interested in the fact that from the very first verse, in, a, in essence, the ministry is sort of out of control. By that I mean Jesus is covered up with people. He has to go to the wilderness uh, or jump, you know, jump in a boat and go across to the other side of the lake. So after he calls them, he begins to disciple them. And Bill gave five sections. I won't give you all five, but uh, let, let's look at, at, at what Jesus does. The first section is uh, 320 through 35. And this is where Jesus takes his disciples into a very, various situations. And Mark always notes that the disciples are with Jesus. And the first situation he takes them uh, into is conflict. And the conflict is with his own family. And uh, the conflict is with the biblical scholars uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, David said, you know, we have these investigative committees of, of Pharisees who come from Judea to investigate and find out what he's doing. So in, in verse 20, uh, the conflict is with his family. His mother and brothers are uh, convinced that he's out of his mind, and they've come to take him away from the presence of the crowd. That's, that's 3.20. And the very next verse after that passage uh, the biblical scholars determined that he's demon-possessed. Um, and so his disciples see Jesus 
uh, dealing with this conflict, because guess what? What sort of conflicts are they going to have? What are their families going to say about them? Right? You're following a carpenter from Nazareth? You say he's the son of God? You're out of your mind. So Mark wants you to know you're not going to experience anything Jesus hasn't experienced. Your family thinks you're crazy? Guess what? Jesus' own family. Um, you're accused of demon possession or, or doing things by Beelzebub. So was Jesus in, in Mark. Uh, and it makes an enormous, and this is Bill. Uh, let me quote Bill. It makes an enormous amount of difference whether you face conflict with Jesus or on your own power. Mm-hmm. So as he's actively, he calls us, he, and then he takes us into this period of, uh, of discipling. Uh, then there's a, there's a parable section. Bill said that was uh, Jesus really being mentored. That's uh, 4, 1 through 35, tells the seed parables and that sort of thing. We won't look at that. The next block is uh, 4.35 through 5.20, and that's where Jesus is in conflict with the demonic. So he's in conflict with his families, he's in conflict with the religious leaders, and now he's, he's in conflict with the demonic. And the first story is, is the storm on the Sea of Galilee. That's like right behind me, Nate. And Bill, Bill portrayed that, uh, that storm as really a demonic attack. Jesus says to the storm what he says to demons. He says, be muzzled. And he linked, we talked about this the other night, he linked the story of the storm with the story of the gathering demoniac. Those are, those, those are that's one story uh, in, in essence. Um, so um, so he, he shows his power over the demonic storm, and then very graphically he shows his, his power over uh, the demonized man, who, by the way, begs to go with Jesus, but remember... He's not been called. He's not being discipled. And Jesus doesn't accept volunteers. He calls, uh, he calls disciples. So conflict with family, conflict with religious leaders, conflict with um, the demonic. And once again, it makes an enormous amount of difference if you face conflict uh, with Jesus or whether you face it uh, on your own power. The next one is 521 through 43, and that's Jesus uh, in conflict with disease and death. And that happens like right over here and uh, where we'll be going later on uh, today. And the first is the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, David, I think you'll teach, you'll teach on that the more the details of the, the touching of the fringe and all that kind of stuff. So I won't go into the details here, but um, uh, Jesus is in conflict with disease and death, the disease of the woman who touches him and is immediately healed. And then uh, the healing of uh, Jairus' daughter, and that's 522. And notice even then, when he, when he raises the little girl from the dead, he takes Peter, James, and John with him. Why does he take them with him? Because he's discipling them. They need to see what, what's happening, because in the weeks and months to come, they're going to be doing these things. And, and once again, it makes an enormous amount of difference whether you face disease and death with Jesus or whether you try to face it on your own uh, power. Um, 6, 1 through 6, uh, Jesus uh, experiences personal rejection. Let's take the time to read that one. Um, This is 6, 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. See, they are with him. And Mark wants you to know that because he's discipling them. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given? He even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of, here's, here's the names of his brothers, by the way, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So we have conflict with, uh, uh, rejection by his family, conflict with, religious leaders, conflict with disease and death, um, and now personal rejection by his own, uh, his, the people from his own uh, hometown. And Jesus said, only in his hometown, among his relatives in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people. And, he'll, and, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, so finally, so that's him discipling his disciples and then what happens in 6-7 is he commissions them to, uh, to go out and do his work. So 6-7 is the commissioning of the disciples. Um, then, Jesus, um, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two 
gave them authority. That's that Sheliak business. He, they go in his authority. They're speaking his, his word, not their word. They're doing his work, not their works, right? Because they are his Sheliakim. They are his authoritative representatives. So he gives them the, his authority over evil, evil spirits. And here's, in, here's his instruction. This is the first sending. Uh, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Um, wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Wherever you enter a house, he's assuming, and this is Jewish hospitality, they're going to be staying in Jewish homes, right? When he sends them out uh, in, into the broader world, he's going to say, remember the first time I sent you out, told you not to take any money? Take money. Take a coat. And if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and buy one because they're going outside sort of the realm of that, that protection of Jewish hospitality, which is mandatory. If I knock on your door in the middle of the night, you've got to take me in. I may, you know, may not make it out there. So whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet as you leave, which is a sign of judgment against them. And here, here, here's what they do. They went, out, they went out and preached Jesus' word. Uh, that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed the sick. Jesus' work. That's what we're called to do, spread his word and uh, to do his work. Here's, here's one of the most uh, important ones. After they've been on mission, uh, they report back. And a lot of people don't. Um, this is uh, six. There's my, I can't read the numbers in this little Bible. 630. The apostles, and this is the first time they're called that, the sent ones. The sent ones gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and all they had taught. See? The work of Jesus and the word of Jesus. So this, this idea of reporting back, why do I report back? Because I'm under his authority. I'm not doing my own thing, right? And as silly as it sounds, a lot of times when I'm on the road, when I used to be on the road more, at the end of the day, when I would pray, I'd say, okay, this is what I did today. It's not like he needs the information and I need to check in. But we're under his authority and we need to report back. These are all the things I said. These are all the things I did. So they report back and they tell him everything they've done. And here's the bookend. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus says, let's go to the other side and get some rest. And, and they go to the other side and there's 5,000 people waiting for them so they don't get much rest. So, uh, let, me, let me read the conclusion. Um, th- this is a cycle. He calls them, he disciples them, they're sent out, they do the mission, and they come back and report. And the, the, the question is, where are you in this cycle? Some of you young, younger, th- th- those of us who are younger here, maybe you've just sensed that Jesus is calling you. And, and you need to hear him say, now come learn with me. Come be discipled by Jesus, right? Go through conflict. Go through disease and death. See, see his power over those things. So if, if, you're in that, if you're in stage one, the question is, how long have you been there? And isn't it time for you to move into stage two? And some of us may be in stage two. You, you've been studying. You've been men, being mentored by Jesus. Maybe you're in seminary or you're some sort of intensive period of study to, to get you ready to go out and, and, uh, and minister. The question is, how long have you been in that stage? And maybe is it time for you to hear Jesus say, now go speak my word and do my work, right? How long have you been in stage two? How about, how about stage three? My guess is most of us are in stage three, right? We've been doing his work. We've been as best we can as he enables us. And then we've been, we've been uh, speaking his word. How long have you been in stage two? Maybe is it time for you to hear Jesus say, now come to a quiet place with me and get some rest. Right? Learn of me in new ways. And then be prepared to be sent out again because it really is cyclical. So um, I think that's my prayer for, 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 uh, for us, at least today. So maybe we'll get a sense of where we are in that in terms of uh, where, where are we in this cycle? Do I need to hear Jesus say, come with me to a quiet place and get some rest? And maybe that's why you're here. That's kind of why I'm here. Okay.
song to wrap up this part of our session in the studio. We're always glad to read your reactions to this program. You can send your comments or questions to us through our website. Go to michaelcard.com and scroll down to find contact. We look forward to reading what you post to michaelcard.com. And could you help us get the word out about this program by posting a review? Your opinion matters and we'd appreciate your feedback to get the word out about what you found. And you can extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael Check out his insights through his weekly blog, his books, his music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Well, coming up, more music and conversation in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. Join us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll open up the program archives and present a session recorded at the Mole End Studio. The Bible teaching, guest conversations, and studio music performances are some of the most inspiring times when we gathered in Franklin, Tennessee. The instruments are tuned, the Bible is open, so make sure you join us. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear the podcast. All the details at michaelcard.com. Just this programming note before we return to In the Studio, we wanted to give you some context for the upcoming interview with our friend Dr. Bob Bakke. The discussion on the need for prayer around the world was recorded in mid-February 2020 and covers the situation before COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. Michael, it's very meaningful today to hear these recordings made in Israel. Uh, let's play another one just before Dr. Bob Bakke comes and teaches us how to pray for the world, but uh, this was recorded where? In Jerusalem? Yeah, this is in Jerusalem. This is next to the uh, Bethesda Pools, the man who was lame for 38 years. Uh, That's where Jesus healed uh, him. And uh, there's a a large church there, uh, St. Anne's, and St. Anne was the mother of Mary. Okay. So in the back of the uh, the church, there's a statue of this young, of this little girl, and that's Mary, and this (laughs) older woman, that's St. Anne. But this is church, this church is known for having the longest echo of any uh, of the churches oh. we, we go to. So it's, you can't resist singing here. Oh, it is unbelievable. And what inevitably happens is th- there'll be some Korean group or some Nigerian group before you, and you stand outside and you listen to them sing, huh. and then you swap places. And uh, the priest who sort of oversees the place is a wonderful guy from um, from Ireland, so he's he's very charming and loves to talk to our groups. Uh, but this is one of my favorite places to sing, and we're singing Holy, 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 which, which is, is one of my favorite hymns. Yeah, me too. All right. Recorded at St. Anne's in Jerusalem.
And if you like that, stay with us because there's more ahead. We're going to hear a recording made at uh, Lazarus' tomb. Yeah, we're we're in a, a number of different churches uh, on at, at holy sites. Uh, one of them, like you said, is next to Lazarus's tomb. Someone else who's on the line with us now, who has been in these places, is Doctor Bob Baki. Welcome, Bob. Well, good to good to hear your voices, guys. Yeah. Just a delight to be with you. Yeah, thanks for coming back. <laughs> You're welcome. We love to talk to you, Bob, because you just you just seem to know what the Lord's doing around the world in different places. We just want to find out from you what's what are you thinking about? What are you praying about these days? Well. Certainly, you can't look in, in any direction, either domestically or internationally, without without your heart being just uh, gripped by what, what God is doing, but also how the enemy is, is pushing back. I was just recently talking uh, to a, a dear friend, I won't use his name, um, because his, uh, uh, he's, he's on a he's on a watch list now uh, from his own native country. Mm-hmm. But he just re- he just returned from one of the one of the largest countries uh, in the world, and the uh, uh, the pushback on on pastors locally is is just really quite intense, and yet at the same time simultaneously there are op- opportunities for the gospel that are just uh, unheard of, just, uh, just unbelievable. In fact, they just got permission. In, in the midst of in the midst of of, uh, of great um, I, I wouldn't say persecution but great pressure upon the, the local body of Christ the the, the government has now just re- allowed them uh, a piece of property uh, right on the border of two major states one one of which is the most powerful state in in that country uh, where these these believers w- will hold a prayer meeting and they're estimating that 100,000 will, will show up wow. uh, um, before May. Uh, and they, and uh, if, uh, if, the, if they promise to pray for the blessing of this, of this nation, um, they will, in fact, uh, receive a, uh, a visit from the prime minister of this country, uh, who is, in fact, uh, ardently against uh, Christianity, but will show up because the Christians have have promised to pray for the blessing of that nation. Hmm. So, so how do you pray around all wow. these things? There's, there's pressure against the body of Christ, and yet there's tremendous opportunities uh, within the body of Christ and for the body of Christ. Uh, so, uh, we join people like that, both in this particular country, but also in places like China, where. Where the 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 pressure is is growing exponentially uh, on the body of Christ, um, uh, Premier Z has it just seems to have a particular uh, desire to uh, to pr- uh, to push down the body the body of Christ, the Christians, and to close up shops and to tear down crosses and to undo what the last uh, 25, 30 years of progress with regard to religious freedom is in China uh, relative to what it always has been. A lot of us have seen on the news uh, to all the churches being torn down in China. Yes, there are, yeah. and uh, there, uh, of course, it's spotty. It's not in not everywhere in China, in particular um, states or provinces of China. Uh-huh. But widely, you know, they are tearing down crosses, uh, even if they allow a church to to remain. Uh-huh. and they are putting uh, increased pressure on, and they and they have determined now to uh, rewrite the Bible. Uh, yeah. To conform to you know the Communist Party, um, uh, you know uh, Marxist uh, Communist Party uh, doctrine. Uh, so it's just quite remarkable, and yet the body of Christ continues to grow. And then, of course, you have the reports coming out of Iran, um, which are are absolutely stunning in the in the face of tremendous pressure and, and the death of our uh, friends and believers in Christ. You have the fastest growing. Uh, uh, church in in the world in in Iran. Mm. Um, so again, it's a mixed bag. But domestically too, um, there's just some tremendous things going on in 2020 that are are really hard to uh, to, to to put your arms around. And the and the body of Christ is seeking the face of God like like I've not seen it in my lifetime. Bob, when we read the news, uh, I want to go back to China for a moment. Of course, 
these recent months, the story has been the coronavirus. And when we're confronted with something like that, how do we pray? Well, um, I mean, we uh, obviously we pray as as people ask us to pray. That, that's one. Um, in in the absence of knowing what else to pray, of course, we pray the scriptures. We, we can pray the psalms over them. We can pray the promises of God over them, as we don't know that uh, know a situation in particular. But where there are uh, occasions when people uh, send word out of these these places, uh, we can we can pray alongside of them. We can we can do what they ask us to do. Um, there are, for example. Uh, uh, believers who have uh, who are open in their care of the sick. Um, I don't know if any of you have uh, read the uh, the accounts of of uh, Paul Stark and and the rise of Christianity in the first couple of centuries. How uh, the Christians were fearless in the face of death and plagues and and other kinds of disasters like earthquakes, etc. Uh, in the uh, Roman Empire, which allowed them to to grow exponentially, because people were amazed at their courage and their and their fearlessness in the face of death. Well, we're seeing this kind of fearlessness also uh, in China in in the wake of the plagues. There, um, men and women are are caring for the sick. They're going. They're they're out and about. They're going to places where people are sick, and they're caring. They're washing them. They're caring for them. They're giving them as much attention as they can. But we know that some of them have become sick themselves and have passed away. So people are asking, please pray for the protection of believers, who are in fact helping those who are not believers uh, cope with the illnesses that are on the ground. Uh, protect them, O oh Lord, from from the disease itself. Protect them too from the authorities, which uh, who do not want them out and about, who who in fact will arrest them if they find them going from place to place, uh, and force them back into their homes or force them then into places of uh, quarantine. So they're asking for protection not only from the disease itself as they care for people, but also from the authorities that will arrest them uh, should they be out and about helping these people. Um, there also there's also need need for uh, for food and water there's limited food and water people are only being allowed to shop uh to come out of their homes uh once a week uh, and and to shop for uh, very limited amounts of food and water so the the food is limited the water is limited uh the the medicines are are hard to come by if if they can become if they can be found at all so those who are, are are diseased are are vulnerable, and of course, the many many who are being who are dying. Uh, the, the reports are that the crematoria there are working overtime day by day. They're they're burning hundreds and hundreds of bodies every day. Some most uh, most of them for natural causes, but a great number of the of the uh, the surge in 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 deaths because of the the coronavirus. So. There's there are reports like this coming out that if we don't know how to pray, we we pray as as these people are asking us to pray, and of course we want to help our brothers as they as they long to be helped. Bob, can you give us some more details about Iran? Because that's uh, you you hinted at at the at the fastest growing church in the world. Yeah, it is. Um, again, there are uh, the these reports that are coming out. Of Iran um, are reports that you know these reports are being snuck out by by certain people, but also uh, we we do have video uh, um, video evidence of of mass baptisms. Um, but uh, again, um, your listeners just have to take all uh, take numbers you know with with a grain of salt um, because these are. These are anecdotal reports. There's no scientific evidence there. Um, but the mass baptisms, there are there are there are baptisms that have been held where where hundreds of people have been baptized at a time, and we have we have video evidence of this, and uh, and we have uh, uh, reports that every time there is a crackdown by the uh, by the mullahs against uh, against the populations. Um, that are uh, protesting for one one thing or another. Uh, in particular, the recent days of protests uh, after the Ukrainian jet was uh, shot down, the, the people believed they were being lied to. 
there were protests, and when uh, there are estimated 1,500 or so, 1,500 to 1,700 or so that were killed um, by the police, shot in the streets and elsewhere uh, because of the protest. Every time there's, there's blood in the streets, um, Muslims are, are, are examining themselves and saying that, this really isn't the religion that I I long for, hope for, dream for. There must be something else, and the, their hearts are being open to the gospel in ways that um, are just breathtaking. Um, so uh, we're being asked to pray uh, earnestly for uh, the the success of the gospel there, and there are evidences too, even in official doc, uh, official correspondences now that are coming out um, about the great concern that the Muslim that the Islamic State has with regard to the growth of the church, and that it needs to be uh, needs to be put down. So again, we get these anecdotal reports coming out of this place that is of uh, of of, um, of great concern, and yet we have tremendous hope. Uh, in what God is doing there. There's so many things for us to pray about. I mean, even in our own lives, in our own circles, our own churches, but we do need to lift our eyes to the world, and and you certainly help us do that. I, I know that you as a pastor are, are called upon for some pretty tough things sometimes, and, you know, you had a funeral recently that really touched your heart in a very unique way, didn't it? Well, those seasons come too. Uh, I was sharing with your producer Joe Carlson that um, while I was in Israel on on a trip, I, I got one of those those texts from home that every every pastor, you know, doesn't longs never to get, mm-hmm. and yet they get on occasion. And that is that a young mother um, had had died and left behind a eighteen year old, excuse me, eighteen month old. Um, boy and a, a grieving young husband. I, I was a, you know, I, I walked them through their their marital counseling together, and wow. uh, they've been married for four years. And and to come back to do her her funeral was just a grievous thing to do, but but absolutely necessary to do as her pastor. But we had, but there are other things. I mean, we have another eighteen eighteen month old boy who's who has undergone four now uh, major brain surgeries on a. On a on a kind of cancer in his in his brain um, that is surely going to be fatal to him, and we we expect within the next eight to twelve weeks that this very happy, this joyous, this this, this boy who radiates uh, his love for his parents, we're, we're going to bury him if God does not uh, does not intervene. And there have been others too. We're just going through a season as a church, and and we do that as as people, don't we? We go through those seasons where one thing after another comes to us, and we have no hope, and we have no answers to these things other than knowing that that God is faithful and mm. good, and in the midst of uh, of great suffering, mm. um, there is grace. So many things to pray about, uh, Michael. Let's ask Bob to pray right now. I mean, we've talked about some things here that. Our hearts are united in praying about. And Bob, would you do that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Father in heaven, we come before you on behalf of the day in which we live, and we know that our day is not unique with regard to problems and suffering and evil. And we know that the nations are in uproar in many ways, and and there are many places on the face of the earth where our brothers and sisters are are in fact under great pressure and under great strain. We think of just recent reports out of Nigeria uh, and others in East Africa where uh, where Fulanji um, uh, Islamists have, have have slaughtered Christians and they have done it over and over again and pastors have died and have died willingly uh, for the sake and the name of, of Jesus. We think of our own country, O oh Lord, and the political chaos that we face and the, the cultural divide that that uh, is before us. And there have been cultural divides before, Lord. Our, our, our generation is not unique in this way. Uh, but, Lord, there are, there are moments in history when the people of God must arise and pray. Uh, you, you, we saw that in the days of the prophets. We, we have seen it in the days of, of, of the apostles, in particular in Pentecost, when, when just before the outpouring of your Spirit and 
on the on the great day of Pentecost when the when the people of God were gathered to worship you, you poured out your spirit upon your people in answer to prayer, in answer to ten days of prayer, as you have promised uh, it would come, as the ascended Lord promised before he 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 sat down at the right hand of Majesty. And Lord, we pray right now that with one mind and one heart and one soul we would come before you again as a people in this generation for the sake of our day, for our brothers and sisters here domestically, for those who do not know Christ domestically, but for those who know Christ uh, internationally as well. Lord, we, uh, the three of us right here now on this podcast, we just unite our hearts together, and we cry out to you on their behalf. And we say, oh God, save. Oh God, move. Oh God, Show yourself to be great for the, uh, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we come before you today knowing that the, that the end of history is written, that all the tribes and language groups will be gathered around your throne. But until that day, we cry out, Lord, and we continue to cry out, um, because the, the accomplishment of your purposes will be done by the sovereign design of your Spirit. And we know that we are helpless apart from him. So pour out your spirit, O God, and pour out a spirit of prayer and supplication that you promised would come in the last days to the prophet Zechariah. And may we be that day, O Lord. And may we, O Lord, soon see the coming of our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Dr. Bob Baki. Well, Bob, on this program, we've been hearing music that was recorded in Israel and... Uh, even as we say goodbye to you, I want you to stay on the line and listen to this. This is very special. Michael, set this up for us. Oh, mm. w- well, Wayne, we were uh, we were in um, uh, a, a beautiful church, uh, a, a ancient church next to uh, the tomb of Lazarus in Bethany, and um, uh, Nate Partain, who was a young man who was uh, part of our group, I asked him if he would lead this song. So. This is just our little tour group, but it sounds like it's yeah. coming straight from heaven because right. of the, the, the acoustics of this yeah. incredible place. Let's listen together. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Praise to Just great. Yeah, I, what we never uh, saw happening in in our in these groups is how close we would become. Hmm. 
But when you you experience these things together and you have meal fellowship together and we have a kind of worship time like this together, mm-hmm. singing together, people get incredibly close and they <laughs> Facebook each other when they go home and they they stay in touch. And, um, you know, and the, this is just a normal group, 30 people, but yet in a space like that, it's a glorious sound. Yeah. And you recorded that at Lazarus' tomb. Yes. Which is where Jesus wept. Right. And so if we keep in mind what we just heard from Bob, what's going on in the world, I wrote a song called Tears of the World, which, which basically is asking God, let me weep the tears of the world. Thanks, Michael. If this time together has been valuable for you, please take a moment and pass along your comments or post a review of this podcast. You can pass along the link for this podcast to a friend. Search for Michael Card on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Spotify. And send your comments or questions through us through our website. Go to michaelcard.com and scroll down to find contact. We look forward to reading what you post to michaelcard.com. You can also access Michael's weekly blog, learn about his conference ministry, and other ways to expand on what you've heard in this session. We're found at michaelcard.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.